0: Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 14. And I'll just tell you this much at the beginning. This is Paul's prayer, urgently, desperately praying that we would get a clue. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I'm praying that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory. To be strengthened with power through His Spirit. Powered through His Spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, which, which is how the soul starts. It all starts in love. And so now you are rooted and grounded in love. But, but now I'm praying, Paul says, that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. What is God full of? Love. What, and, and, and to the degree that we surrender and begin to get a glimpse, to get a clue about how much we are really loved. Yes, you don't deserve it. Get over it. You are loved. You are loved. You are accepted. You are embraced. You are His. You are His forever. You are a source of exceedingly wonderful, endless joy to Him. I don't care that it doesn't make sense. Paul says even right here, this doesn't make sense. Look in verse 19. I want you to know the love of Christ, which is impossible to know. It's no surprise that you don't understand it because... It's not possible for you to understand it. I'm praying for a miracle. I'm praying that you'd be able to know the love of God, which is humanly impossible for you to know. Your mind, it completely bypasses your mind. Don't try to understand it. Don't try to justify it. You just have to sort of fall into it like you're falling into a a giant bed of marshmallowy pillows or like you're falling into to a sea of warm, liquid love. You just let yourself surrender to it because you can't explain it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to justify it. I'm praying that you would just surrender to how much you are loved because at that moment when you surrender and when, when you get this epiphany, the Holy Spirit has to reveal it to you. It can't be, it can't be accomplished any other way than by the Holy Spirit Infusing your heart with this. This is a work. As I'm I'm going to try to talk in the rest of my sermon. Um, This is absolutely straight up, 100%, a work of the Holy Spirit. The reason you can't understand it or make it happen is because it's humanly impossible to understand or apprehend. It is straight up, 100%, a work that the Holy Spirit imparts to you. And we quench the Holy Spirit all the time, and that's what keeps us from <coughs> resting and walking in this. But to that point, when you are filled up with all of the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, <coughs> excuse me, you will also begin to be walking in the fullness of whatever it is that fills God up. Because what fills God up, His character, His nature, His love at a degree and a depth and an intensity beyond anything that humans are capable of replicating and that's what it means to be his is to be inundated and resting in his love <clears throat> so 311 You know, we talked about this last Sunday. There's a time for this. There's a time for living, a time for dying, a time for birth, a time for death, a time for gathering things together, a time for scattering things away, a time for going and looking for things, a time for giving things up as lost. There's a time for everything under heaven. And then the preacher, Solomon, says, and in all this, God has set eternity in their heart. Then he says this kind of obscure thing. He says, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. So he he's set eternity in the hearts of every person. Every person on earth has a yearning, a hunger, a connection for a connection that will take them to a place, take us to a place where we finally feel safe. And we finally feel completely whole. Not just healed, but whole, restored, complete. We all have that hunger. Even if you've had the best life in the world, the best parents, plenty of money, wonderful kids and grandkids, had a satisfying job. We we all still have this cognitive dissonance between how we how we connect to ourselves and to the world and how somehow we just intuitively know that it's supposed to be. And, of course, we understand a lot of things based on the gospel uh, about what that is, why it is, and that Jesus has come to fulfill that. Even at that, our relationship with Jesus is only... A bridge to get us to eternity to that eternity experience where we finally shed the flesh and and we can um, because we're going to be battling the flesh and we're going to be battling the world in this world you'll have what does it say anywhere that in this world you will have wholeness does it say anywhere in this world you will have completeness and uh and and rest in this world you'll have tribulation we get peace from jesus jesus is our peace but we are constantly battling a broken world and a, a veil of flesh that we walk in. So sometimes we have good days and bad days. But at least we know where our hope lies. Otherwise, people who don't know Jesus, who haven't had this experience that Gene was telling us about, where we finally realize that we are just absolutely, completely, totally, unconditionally loved all the time, uh, if you haven't had that, then you've got this full-time yearning in your heart. And this song bypasses people's brains and penetrates right to that home. Home is always a metator- metaphor for what? <clears throat> and for believers, it's a metaphor for Jesus. For even, But out in the world... It's a meta- coming home is a metaphor for what? Coming, what'd you say, Connie? Yes, for safe, for coming back to the place where everything feels safe and right. And everybody, when we say it feels like coming home, I mean, uh, Randy Newman has this m- m- a wonderful, wonderful power song that that's called "Feels Like Home." <laughs> um, about finding a relationship with somebody to love that he never thought he would have. It feels like talking to Jesus to me. I don't know who he was talking about. <clears throat> but all these people up there were singing, and we will come back home, and we will come back home, and we will come back home. And they're getting excited about coming back home. They, they're just singing a song, right? They're just singing a song. Uh, I, of course, now, they're, they're all professional singers. Most of these people are probably... Uh, <clears throat> making some kind of a living on Broadway. Um, that, so they're trained singers. But, <clears throat> but here's what I think didn't happen that day. I think that, that the director didn't say, okay, when we get to this song, I want you to try really, really hard to just go nuts like you were really excited about it. Um, because this is the big important part of the movie where P.T. Barnum makes a decision to try to go out and rebuild his family and, and go back to his roots. And, and so we want, we want you to demonstrate that by acting out like pretend you're really excited about this idea of going home. No, that's not what we saw here. That, I promise you that's not the stage. This, they were not acting out stage directions. They were pulled into this song and they started singing about going home, coming home again, home again. And you see, the body language is basically, there's basically two types of body language. I mean, everybody's bouncing up. By the end of the song, everybody's bouncing. They're, they're exhausted. But as they get through the last chorus, uh, there's the two primary types of, of gestures that are going on. Did you notice them? One, one gesture is this, people just touching, holding their hearts, holding their hearts, and the rest of them are doing what? Just praising God, whether they knew it or not, and holding their hearts. Pray. This is hardwired into everybody. This is a reaction that's hardwired into people who are having an, uh, an ecstatic experience with God, Even if they don't know that's what it is. Because why? Because he has hidden eternity in our hearts. Whether we know that's the feeling or not, he has hidden eternity in our hearts. And they started resonating. This desire to come home, to be safe, to be whole, just just burst out of their hearts. And for a second, they had this hope they had this realization, this intuition that one of these days somehow it's going to happen. We want it so much. And somehow, someday it's going to happen. And for just a, for about three minutes, they were in heaven. They didn't know that's what was happening, but that's what was happening. So, so our, our challenge as believers First of all, to understand that this is a thing. Y'all, this is a thing. Eternity is hidden in people's hearts. And they are hungry to have that yearning satisfied. We've got the good news. And now you can see. You can see how many people out there, just random people just sang a song. And you can see how easy... It, it just overflows with the right encouragement. So God's been dealing with me about uh, understanding that for ourselves and and how to find a way to somehow speak to that in our community and, to, and our friends and our uh, the people that we come across wherever we are. <laughs> um, and, and I was meditating about this last night and the Holy Spirit r- reminded me that this is something that's his work, not ours. It's not Johnson's work. It's not Shirley's work. It's his work. The Holy Spirit bypassed. I mean, Hugh Jackman didn't preach a sermon, did he? The Holy, even though Hugh Jackman is a Christian, in case you didn't know that, he's a Christian and, and he cares deeply about his relationship with God. <clears throat> and maybe some of that anointing in his heart was just flowing out, I don't know. <clears throat> but nobody said anything. The Holy Spirit short-circuited you all pay attention to this. The Holy Spirit short-circuited their intellect. They weren't sitting there saying, oh, this is interesting. This is an interesting uh, philosophical proposition here. Let me think about this notion of what it would be like to go home again. That's, I think that's attractive to me. Uh, I think that's... I find that interesting and exciting... So, yes, of course I want to go home again. No, it completely bypassed their intellect. It just happened by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because, I mean, did did it even occur to you that the Holy Spirit attends Hollywood movie studio pitch meetings? Especially, especially if they're believers there, and I'm sure that Hugh Jackman wasn't the only believer there. There are more Christians in Hollywood than you would be led to believe. Um, so they it bypassed their intellect and it touched their hearts by work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is doing this all the time. He's wooing, and he's and he's reaching out, and he's available. Um, and I promise you, if, if there had been a debrief after that, after that, everybody was going, oh, my goodness. If there, had, if there had been an opportunity for Hugh Jackman, can you imagine how powerful this would have been? For Hugh Jackman t- to have had the freedom in this meeting to say, wow, friends, do you know what just happened? And can we all agree here that something magical and amazing just happened here? Let me tell you what this is. Let me tell you what this is about without being pushy, without being preachy, to just provide some people some context afterwards. After they'd had the experience to say this was God. I don't care if you believe in God or not. God believes in you and this is what we just experienced him because Blaise Pascal said blah, blah, blah and in Ecclesiastes it says we've got this yearning to come home. Some people would have gotten saved that day. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Some people... Who didn't know Jesus when they walked in would have known Jesus walking out. So, um, we have an, an opportunity to maybe be people who provide context as God deals with people, and and that's that kind of ties me back to. I want to get us sort of back on track now, just real briefly. Remember, once upon a time, back before Thanksgiving, do you remember what we were doing? Oh, yeah. We're studying the book of Acts. So let me just remind you, we were in Acts chapter 8. After spending a year, we got all the way to Acts chapter 8. And we'd gotten to the part where the disciples have been chased out of Samaria. I mean, they've been chased out of Jerusalem. Except for, I mean, the believers have been chased out of Jerusalem. There's like just the twelve disciples, and some, in the church was little church was left. And they, some of the believers had gotten to Samaria, and God was doing miracles uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter every chapter that we've been through so far has had an expression of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> breaking into people's lives, turning things upside down, inside out, shaking them up, getting God getting his, their attention to the power of the Holy Spirit. And some meetings have probably looked a lot like this. Can we agree? Some of those meetings probably looked a lot like this, where the Holy Spirit just shows up and people's minds just get blown. Why shouldn't it be that way? Whenever people get together and gather in Jesus' name and surrender the power of the Holy Spirit, why shouldn't there be exuberant, overwhelming joy all the time? And people high-fiving each other, and waving their arms and crying out with joy, knowing that they have been embraced by the Living God. Why wouldn't that be? Why? Why isn't that happening all the time? I know some of those meetings in the Book of Acts look like that. So they were. Uh, so they were in Samaria and people were getting healed just as a guy named Philip was going around preaching people were getting healed and there's this dude named Simon uh, who was a magician who who tried to pretend he was something even though he was just tricking people even Simon believed Uh, he was constantly amazed it says he was constantly amazed (coughs) and and because what he saw was genuine. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that was intervening, in, in, who came down from heaven and blasted a hole in reality and changed their reality. So, so this is a new verse today, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. I love this verse. And pay attention to this verse. <clears throat> um, there are, there are, uh, the, the Scripture is rich and deep with revelation for us. But every once in a while you come across a verse that has a very powerful message that we must not forget. Must not forget. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard what was going on in Samaria and that they had received the word of God, they sent them, Acts chapter 8, verse 14, they sent them Peter and John. Hey, and, and Peter and John don't leave. They, they hardly leave town. They hardly leave the, 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 the house where they're hanging out because there's a, like a price on their heads. <clears throat> but they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Nobody wants to go to Samaria. Are a lot of places in the world people didn't want to go one of the places for Jews that they absolutely did not want to go was Samaria. So, but they picked Peter and John up and say, well, dudes, do you hear what's happening? The people in Samaria have heard the word of God. Oh, no. We, we need for you to go right now. So they sent them, Peter and John, who came down and prayed for all the believers that they could find in Samaria. Which I, I don't know how long that took. They prayed for them so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Next verse, verse 16. For he, the Holy Spirit, had not fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> We could make this into a doctrinal conversation. We could make this into a theological conversation. We could make this into a conversation between Pentecostals and Baptists, for instance, or between Catholics and Presbyterians. Because, you know, in the study of pneumatology, there there are lots of perspectives on when and how the Holy Spirit operates. I don't want to get into any of that. All I want you to see... Here is the desperate urgency that Peter and John felt for new brothers and sisters in Samaria. We have to make sure they receive the Holy Spirit. We have to make sure that they have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have to make sure that they have been connected to the Holy Spirit. We have to make sure that they understand the relationship that's now available to them through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> they had already been baptized. They had already confessed Jesus. They would already been baptized. But it was apparently clear that they had not completely entered in to a relationship with God through the participating presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, you'll find people um, who say... Well, there's all sorts of things that people say about it. I, just, I don't want to go down those, any of those multiple rabbit holes. Just I just want to emphasize this, that for them, it was absolutely urgent, paramount importance. We've got to make sure that they have been immersed... <clears throat> connected to, plugged into, uh, are fully benefiting from a personal, intimate relationship with the participating presence of the Holy Spirit. We've got to make sure that happens. And so they went up and they started praying and laying hands on people. Boom, 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 boom. And I don't know if there's like, you know when you're you're cooking a butterball turkey at Christmas time in the little thing pops out when it's done when the temperature is the right and oh, okay now they're done I don't know if a little thing popped out of their heads uh, said so, okay now that one's full of the Holy Spirit now I don't know I don't know how, and did they all fall down and get slain in the Spirit did they all start speaking in tongues I've I, um, seen that that becomes a doctrinal debate uh, all that I know is that whatever it was that they were looking for as evidence that these folks had been filled with the Holy Spirit First of all, it wasn't there then it was there. So my question is let's just start with this why this may this may seem like a rhetorical question, but some but rhetorical questions are not useless questions. We need to think about this so Here's my question. Why were they so desperate? These people had been, they had named the name, they had accepted the name of Jesus. They expressed their faith in Jesus. They had all been baptized. You know what happens in most churches when somebody comes forward, accepts Jesus, uh, confesses Jesus as Lord and gets baptized? You know what? You know what happens in most churches? That's right. You're either asked to teach Sunday school or you're put on a committee. Uh, <laughs> in other words, um, you, you check a box, high-five, congratulations, you get your name on a roll, and go, okay, let's put you to work. But or, or, you, or you become a pew potato. You know, there's some people that uh, stand on the promises and there's some people who just sit on the premises. So, but anyhow, that's considered to be uh, the bar that you have to cross. You you confess the Lord. You got baptized. Congratulations. Shake hands. Welcome to the family. Big celebration. You know, you, you get your picture like in the foyer. Uh, they make you your own permanent name tag. Um, and we go on. But they said... Yay, Samaritans. so we've got a bunch of Samaritans that have been baptized. Yay, have they received the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't think so. What? We've got to get there now. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Saddle the camels. <coughs> um, I, I don't know if there were camels. I, um, but anyhow, they got there, and it's not an easy trip. From, from Jerusalem to Samaria is Samaria's... Um, Way north in mountainous, rough territory. Not a, a great trip. And like I said, nobody wants to eat, don't go to Samaria because the food's no good and, and the people are mean. <laughs> um, but they went. And everywhere they went, people started receiving the Holy Spirit. So here's my question. Why? Why did they go to such extreme lengths after it appeared, from most of our perspective, that the, that the main checkbox had been checked? Why was this important to them? Discuss. Yeah, we're discussing now. Nate's going to discuss first. something more uh, so there 's more than just saying I believe um, there 's more to it than all right, amen yes. yes all right so so now you 're back in chapter two uh, <laughs> that you repent. Believe, be baptized, and you'll receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the promise. So you could you could make the argument that well they're not they didn't finish the process, but which still kind of goes back to the question: Why was it important to finish the process? Why was it important for them to be? Um, why were they considered to be incomplete without having evidence that they'd all received the Holy Spirit? Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is the power. The Holy Spirit provides the power. The Holy Spirit is the author, the agent. The Holy Spirit is God. The author, the agent, the engine, the motivation, the presence of God in us that makes everything real and makes everything happen that needs to happen. Like Gene said, they'd already been religious. They'd already gone through, as, as regular practicing Jews, they had all gone through the right, doing the right thing at the right time and, and checking the right boxes. Check box uh, and they had been checkbox people. And all they knew was that their lives were boring and nothing until the Holy Spirit just showed up one day and blew all of their minds. Religion was work. Religion was work. The holy yeah, religion was the work. The holy religion is work. The Holy Spirit changed all that. The Holy Spirit plunged them into this bathtub of liquid love that we were talking about earlier. The Holy the Holy Spirit is what drives and gives meaning and purpose to the Holy Spirit is what delivers us from do better, try harder. The Holy Spirit is the person who enfolds us and helps the Holy Spirit. Um, so we, back in Ephesians chapter 3, the beginning of the prayer was, I bow my knee to the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth has been named, that He would come and that, that, that Jesus Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith and by the presence of His Spirit you would begin to understand how much you're loved. By the presence of His Spirit, you would have insights into who you are in Jesus. By the presence of the Holy Spirit, you would receive all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God comes from uh, just surrendering your life to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here it is. This is 2000 and something. What, what year are we even in anymore? I always get confused this time of year. I guess we're at 2018. People have known this for 2000 years almost. Um, we're not the first ones to figure out how important the Holy Spirit is. But, but I think, and it took this video to help me see what the Holy Spirit can do. Without any help from anybody, they weren't even in church. Um, but the Holy Spirit had a way to just enter in and touch that yearning. Now that there, there, there needs to be well, as we'll you know, we'll see this later on um, when Peter finally has to go and preach to Cornelius's family, and he didn't want to go. And he's in the middle of his sermon, and and the Holy Spirit just shows up. <clears throat> he didn't need a chance to finish his sermon. And he, he was like, he, he kicked over a bunch of chairs and just walked out of the room and said, well, we might as well go ahead and baptize them because shoot, they've already received the Holy Spirit. And I didn't even get to my third point and I didn't read my poem. <clears throat> so, so you can't define how God does anything. Uh, we have eternity in our hearts. We are hungry for God. But... Man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Man will not be able to figure out what God is doing or why He's doing it or how He's doing it. We, we just have eternity in our heart. We're hungry from God and the rest is up to Him. <clears throat> but it comes from a connection with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is who woos us. The Holy Spirit is who helps us to understand the context for what's going on in our lives right now. The Holy Spirit is our source for being able to love ourselves, even though everything about us just stinks, <clears throat> and we hate ourselves and we hate everybody else because because we hate ourselves. Uh, when you love yourself, what is it? Give me that old time religion. There's a, a verse in the in that old time religion that says, "What makes me love everybody?" Makes me love everybody, makes me love everybody, and it's good enough for me. Yeah, the Holy Spirit makes us love ourselves and enables us to feel God's love. Nothing, nothing, there's nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing that can be accomplished without the participating power of God presence of the Holy Spirit. Nothing that can be done in me, for me, with me. Nothing that we can do for each other. Nothing that we can do in this community that isn't accomplished by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I I understand that Christians are really good at organizing stuff. We can organize things. We can have campaigns. We can build buildings. We can run programs. We can... uh, We can market our services to our community just like Walmart does. And you can get a crowd. But when you get that crowd, if you don't connect them to the Holy Spirit, you got nausea gongs and clanging cymbals. You got got nothing that lasts for eternity because the Holy Spirit is the complete author of all of that. So, <clears throat> um, you just have to, the Holy Spirit use that little video to remind me, to reveal to me what He can do And just think how much more that power can be released and focused when we've got a whole church of people praying and surrendered, submitted to the Holy Spirit. If we can finally get to that point of being disabused of the notion that I can do anything for God. God can do amazing things with us, through us, we have more than enough people in this room that, who, who surrender to the Holy Spirit, being used by God, however He wants to use us, to make an amazing impact on the world. Not just Grant shows, but on the world. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. But we can't do a thing for Him except get in His way. So, you know, I'm even thinking about, you know, We've come up with this phrase that's kind of a paraphrase of Acts 1, verse 8. It says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, and we've kind of... uh, We've kind of reinterpreted that verse. We've updated it so that it says, The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to tell what you've experienced. with Miraculous results. Remember, that's... We've at least... We've been soaking in this for a while. The Holy Spirit will give us the ability to tell what we have experienced to be beacons for the good news of Jesus based on what we've experienced with rea- rea- re- re- miraculous results. But what is the biggest miracle? I mean, people were healed, people were speaking in tongues, people were, doing, de- were being delivered from demons. Um, <clears throat> there are all sorts of things that happen when the Holy Spirit moves. But there's not a bigger miracle than, that I can think of than for people coming to a full realization of what it means to come home. Because you have to, Coming home is... is the whole purpose. Coming home to be His... Coming home, where you come to that realization that in Jesus, you're deeply loved by God. Just think about this. Wherever it is that you, you know, you're just a person who's out there in the world, just wandering around, just bumping into things, just trying to do the best you can, just trying to pay your bills, just trying to figure out your life. and however it happens the holy spirit begins to speak this message into your heart i deeply love you and i fully accept you and i want you to know right now that i have completely and permanently forgiven you and that i have in t- all the riches at heaven in heaven at my disposal To lavishly bless you beyond anything that you could ask or think for the rest of your life, which is eternal. And more than anything else, most of all, I'm eternally, perfectly embracing you as my child because you bring me unspeakable joy. Listen to me, my child. You bring me unspeakable joy. You are mine. You're going to be mine forever. I will not let go of you. You'll never be lost again. Does that feel like coming home? Does that feel like what it means to come home? How many people in the history of the world have ever truly experienced the depth of that assurance. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It only comes from <clears throat> the Holy Spirit as he moves into our hearts and as we surrender to those sweet soft messages of love as he continues to woo us and you don't have to have this worked out in five points but there is something about connecting with the Holy Spirit that begins to push away the darkness and the fear so that you can sit and rest and relax and know that finally finally I'm home From now on, making a decision, what's waited, all, all this time what has been put off to tomorrow is going to start tonight. From now on, we're going to come back home. We're going to come back home. We're going to come back home again. Our home is Jesus. Unders- you understand this? Our home is Jesus. Caleb, Caleb and I were talking about this the other day. Caleb's going to put together an awesome sermon on it sometime soon. Uh-huh. Jesus is our reward. Jesus is our home. There's nothing beyond that. There doesn't need to be anything but that. Our home is him, and we connect with him, and we come home to him as we experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's about him. It's not about me. It's not about anything I can do for you or anything that we can do for each other. Just have to make room for the Holy Spirit and let God show us how we can touch that how he wants to use us to touch that button if he wants to use us at all. To release that yearning so that we can speak a word of hope and by his power hearts will be changed. But what Gene mentioned at the very beginning is really the most important. It all starts by fully surrendering to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And accepting as done, 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 that we are loved in ways we can't imagine. We can't justify it or understand it, but it's true. It's true. It's true. Our brains are just programmed to believe lies it will take a conscious choice and the the anointing and the grace of the Holy Spirit to reprogram your brain, reprogram your heart. Understand that it's true of you. We have come home. We have come home. We have come home. We have come home. He is our home. And we won't ever be lost again. And I want you to stop for a second and think about that. And I want you you to just thank Jesus. Just between you and him, I want you to thank him for your homecoming. And in this moment, ask God one more time, please, Lord, fill me afresh. Fill me with fresh oil. Anoint me with fresh oil. I surrender to the presence of your Holy Spirit in my life. Whatever you want to do with me, I surrender again. Come Holy Spirit, bring me home. Come Holy Spirit, bring me home.